This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. Once again, and as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Orberg. And I want all of you listeners to know two things. Number one, I'm trying to better myself. I'm always trying to better myself, both for my own sake and for the sake of you, my beloved, beloved listeners. You are all my darling sons and daughters and cinnamon rolls, and I just want to be the best version of myself that I possibly can. So to that end, I'm trying, have been trying to cure myself of the habit of saying to somebody else, I'm on my way, when what I mean is I'm looking forward to seeing you. I've, I've, I've come to realize with time, when I say I'm on my way, I very rarely am actually in the car, walking out the door, in transit, in the active state of moving from one place to the other. I am usually stepping out of the shower or thinking about putting on shoes or hastily eating a spoonful of peanut butter because I realized that I am too hungry to wait in line for whatever we're about to do. And it's not because I like to lie to my friends. It's not because I don't care about them. I genuinely think the condition of being on my way is led by wanting to be there soon. I always think that it's going to take me five minutes to get wherever I'm going. Every time I come to the studio to record, I am shocked that it takes me 25 minutes to go, you know, nine miles through Berkeley traffic. I, 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 every time I leave my house, I think today's the day everything takes five minutes. And at, at the ripe old age of 30, I'm starting to realize that might actually not be the case. So I am trying now to either save I'm on my way for when I'm actually getting into the car Getting into the car, by the way, not texting while I'm driving. I wouldn't do that to to any of you. Uh, or to say, I just got out of the shower. <laughs> I have every intention of leaving shortly. Um, so I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I don't want to lie to any of you. The other thing 
is that uh, our guest this week is one of my favorite people, uh, one of the many people who have become a beloved and intricate part of my personal life after meeting online because we liked talking about the same things on Twitter. Um, my guest is Alyssa Furukawa, who is a bro from Philadelphia who enjoys powerlifting and knitting. That is exactly the biography that I was given to read, and that is exactly what I'm reading to all of you now. Alyssa, hi, hello, welcome. Hi. <laughs> are you too optimistic about the matters of time and space? Yeah. Or are you somebody who is always on time and is never says that they're on their way when they're, in fact... No, I've couch? never been on time in my life, actually. Um, I was born 15 days late, and my mom has held that over my head since. But also, I, I set say expectations real low. So, Have you found, as you have grown... Uh, that there has been anything that's helped you with that? Or are you just sort of resigned to, I am a person who is generally late, I try to warn people as best I can, and then the rest is in the hands of God? Um, I try to, when someone says, be here by a time, in my head, I try to translate that into like, okay, well, I, being me, knowing who I am, will leave by this time because... If you want me to be somewhere at a time, I'm going to, if I don't figure out what time I need to leave by to be there on time, I just end up leaving at the time I'm supposed to be there. So I just have to like it rewire my brain. <laughs> so counterintuitive because I almost never think I'm going to be late. Uh, and I think maybe for people who don't struggle with lateness, they think people like us just don't care or don't think about it. I almost never leave the house thinking I'm about to be late. I almost always leave the house thinking I have given myself just the right amount of time. Uh, I'll probably even be there a minute or two early, which is the <laughs> earliest a person can possibly be. Uh, this is great. And it's only as my plan unfolds that I start to realize how bad it is. So every time that I'm actually on time to something, I have left the house at what feels to me like an irrationally early hour. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. I'm going to have to bring a book or something. Like, I don't know what I'll do to entertain myself during the many, many, many <laughs> minutes of waiting that lie ahead. And then I end up getting there just on time. And I'm like, yeah, how? I do that I, a lot too. To a wormhole. <laughs> so it's hard. I, I'm trying. I'm trying is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And I think I am probably not as better at it than I want to think that I am. But... It is what it is. You and I are both here now. We did it. Yeah. In this moment. We did it. You and I have achieved it. Uh, why don't we start fixing the problems of the world one letter at a time? Sound good? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Our very first letter, the subject line is to tell or not to tell. Dear Prudence, I'm a pansexual woman in my early 30s, and I'm having trouble deciding whether to come out to my family. My friends know. My husband knows. Even my coworkers know. I grew up hearing a lot of homophobic comments like, we won't buy Levi's anymore. They support gay marriage. I won't vote for that candidate. They stand for gay rights. The Bible says it's a choice. And the worst one being, burn them, kill them all. That last one was said by my grandmother. I wouldn't have to tell them as I'm in a quote unquote traditional marriage. But part of me wants to stop hiding this part of myself from them. Another part of me wants to scream at them to stop being such ignorant homophobic jerks. What are your thoughts? Just getting started with, like, a really light. <laughs> yeah, something low-key, you know, no pressure. Um, yeah. Well, my first thought was that those two things that she said are not mutually exclusive because she can right. both stop hiding herself 
from them, as she put it, and also scream at them to stop being such ignorant homophobic jerks. Um, Right. It actually kind of sounds like the letter writer has felt like the only way that I can really let them know how unacceptable I find this is by disclosing my own sexuality to them. And I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think so either. I don't think that you have to be out to be really mad about homophobia. Yeah. So, you know, my vote uh, and oh, by the way, just in case, I I always want to Bear in mind that we have lots of different people who listen to this podcast, some of whom are very up on um, all the various ways that queer people identify themselves and some of whom might find some terms new to them. Uh, This letter writer describes herself as pansexual uh, and pansexual is a word that sometimes people use to describe their own sexuality um, in the sense that basically just all they're trying to communicate is that they uh, don't have any limitations in regard to like biological sex, gender, gender identity. Somebody who feels like maybe the word bisexuality is not quite the right word for them because it may possibly like reify an idea of a gender binary, which, by the way, is not necessarily why they would throw out the word pansexual. Um, It's not a diss on the word bisexual. It's just one of many options. Basically, just somebody who considers themselves to be pretty sexually fluid. Yes. So, uh, Alyssa, you were saying it sounds like they don't have to out themselves in order to to say these things to their parents. No, I mean... It comes down to just being like a personal decision. If you don't want to tell these people, people who sound relatively hateful, that you are a pansexual person, then you do not have to, in my opinion. Um, Oh, gosh, yeah. But if it bothers you more to stay closeted and you think it's safe to be out because... That's another thing you have to consider. Um, Especially bearing in mind that her grandmother has at one point said, kill them all. Yeah, especially, right. Like, I don't know if you want to have to fight your grandmother physically. Um, (laughs) Right. But, you know, I I don't think you have to be out to fight them on this. Um, And I don't know. I, I mean, I get very... I do scream at people for being homophobic jerks and I try to not, I try not to scream actually, but it's hard because when people are being hateful, I want to shake them a little bit. (laughs) Um, But I also like as a queer person, I don't feel like I have to tell someone, well, do you think that you want to burn me and kill me? Is that also what you're saying? Or can I just, combat this without exposing myself in that way. Right. So basically there are two outings available to you, letter writer, right now. One is to out yourself personally as a pansexual woman um, who is married to a cis man, which is what I assume what you mean by traditional marriage. Um, And that is optional. That is something that you do not have to do if you fear for your safety. Uh, That is not even something you have to do if you feel like it would give your family uncomfortable ammunition to attack you. Like, you absolutely do not have to come out to them. You are out um, with the people who make up the bulk of your support system. You are out in a meaningful way, and that's great. The other is you get to, and I think should, come out to your family as a non-homophobe. Uh, like, and again, that is so unrelated to your own sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can and should say to your family, um, 
that you support gay marriage, that you support gay rights, that you support trans rights, that you support like everything that they think is apparently burnable. Um, and you, you, you can and should do that right now. You, you don't have to scream, but you can absolutely bring it up and just say, like, this is important information you should have about me. I support LGBT people. Um, and I don't think we should burn gay people. Yeah. Yeah. Say that. Say that right now. Yeah. Go for it. You have our blessing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. And and frankly, like you may be able to um, they may see you as a slightly more like because you have the sort of cover of your marriage to a man. They might think of you as they might be more inclined to listen to you than they would to a gay person uh, mm-hmm. or somebody who is out as gay to them, like because they might think, oh, wow, well, you know. I should listen to her. She's not a deviant, um, which is not to say that that's a reason not to ever come out, but just that that might be one benefit to having that conversation first. Um, but yeah, hell yeah. Do it today. Do it right now. Tell them. And and then if they ever say stuff like that around you, call them on it. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't just continue eating dinner when someone says something like, I won't buy jeans that support gay marriage or we should burn and kill gays. Yeah, that is I, not something you should let slide. Yeah, I was going to say, I also think that if her husband knows, then he should also be backing her up at any kind of family event yeah. where this is happening. I know in-laws are like maybe a co- more complicated relationship, but also if he knows, he should also be yeah. vocally against homophobia. Right, like as a unit so that you have somebody backing you mm. up. So there's at least two people in the room who are saying like maybe let's not burn people for their sexual orientation. Yeah. Um that's it's there's always a little bit of safety in numbers. Just getting your husband sort of like back up in that moment will be really helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Um and f- please feel free to limit a lot of the time you spend with your family if they Oh are, yeah. You, know, you do not have to see those people that. if you can avoid it in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I have front loaded this week's episode with a lot of sort of big, fraught family related political issues. And I apologize in advance for putting you through this. And I hope that your blood pressure can take it. <laughs> Whew, the subject yeah. line of this one is just, yeah, yeah. Get ready. Brace yourself. Take a sip of something cold. Okay. Um, Deep breaths. Is unruly in-laws. Dear Prudence, I'm moderately disabled. I'm able to work and have a thriving career, but my disability does limit my physical endurance and mobility, so there are some things I can't do as a result. It's not something that bothers me, and I don't feel like I'm missing out. The issue is my in-laws. They're always incredibly condescending because I can't do the outdoor activities they enjoy like hiking and biking. They refuse to help me explain to their children that I can't play rough with them like their other aunts and uncles, and they talk about how uninteresting they find my hobbies, which I admit are on the passive side. My husband has no issue with my limitations. I was like this before we met, and we're very happy with our less-than-fast-paced lifestyle. But whenever I have to see his family, I'm so furious at having to endure their ignorance. I don't know if they just don't believe that I'm disabled or if they don't understand what it means to have a disability, but I'm at my wit's end. The last time I saw my husband's sister, she didn't do anything while her nine-year-old daughter started punching me in the back repeatedly. The incident left me unable to walk properly for days. I can't avoid seeing them, although that's honestly my preference. What should I say when they start picking on me for not enjoying, quote unquote, their active lifestyle? Or at least, how can I stop them from letting their kids get so rough with me? Well, I just want to throw something across the room. Oh, yeah, that's. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, your in-laws sound terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's really no there's no way around that. There's no way 
uh, your sister-in-law letting her nine-year-old daughter punch you in the back repeatedly is okay regardless of disability or not. Uh, but the fact that it also left you unable to walk is just unfathomable. Nine years old is not three, right? Like there are ages where kids genuinely have to be sometimes just not like indulged, like they can do whatever, but sometimes you can't explain to a kid at a very very young age why you can't do something. But nine years old is old enough to know you don't hit people repeatedly in the back. And if you are doing it, that you need to be removed from the situation, possibly put in a timeout or whatever. Um, I... My big question is this, is where is your husband in all of this? Yep. Like you say yep. he has no issue with your limitations, which, like, that's a pretty low bar to clear yep. that he doesn't hold your disability against you. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I want to assume well of him. It sounds like maybe he, he is a good husband to you in other ways, but it sure sounds like he checks out when your his family shows up because— I got to say, like, he is your husband. If he is in the room or even in the same building uh, uh, where, like, someone's kid is hitting you in the back and you're not able to walk, like, why is he not stopping? Mm -hmm. Why is he not talking to his sister? Why is he not intervening? Like, where's your husband? What's going on with him? Why is he not being your number one advocate in these situations? Um, You know, I know this gets said a lot on the Internet of, like, you don't have an in-law problem. You have a husband problem. You have both. I mean, you have an in-law problem. But you also have a husband problem, which is that he is not looking out for you. He's not helping you. He's not being your ally or your advocate. And he needs to start that yesterday. Yeah. Like, that's part of, I believe, part of the benefit of having a spouse or a long-term partner is that you're supposed to, like, be a team when people are ganging up on you, especially for, you know, this isn't a joke. This is, like, you know, someone's life. and. They, as far as I can tell, the in-laws just are actively just pushing the letter writer away and, like, doing it intentionally. And not Um, just that, but they are, like, hassling someone with a disability for not enjoying mountain biking. Yeah, a lot of people don't enjoy mountain biking because of a lot of reasons, and people should just get over that. Yeah, and there's just, you know, sometimes I get letters where I can understand where everyone's coming from and people are kind of trying their best, but just coming from different places. This is not one of those letters. This is like you need to ask yourself when you do or say something, would a villain in a (laughs) 1980s ski movie do this? Because like mocking somebody who has a physical disability for not like being hiker of the year falls into that category like you might as well have a neon sweatband with your own name (laughs) monogrammed on the front of it and like be like rubbing sand in a kid's eyes like you suck your choices suck and you suck yeah so like that i mean i I can't just yell at those people they didn't write into me but like (laughs) so number one you absolutely can avoid seeing them Um, yeah you don't say anything about how like you guys live together or they own the business that you work at. Um, I imagine what you're referring to is like social pressure. Um, and I just want you to know the next time your in-laws come to town, get busy. Make plans. Oh, so sorry. I'm going to miss you. I'm actually going to be like out all day, like fucking bail yep. on the plans that you yeah. have with these people and, and do it with absolute absolutely like no compunction and if your husband tries to make that difficult for you 
um, you you get to put your foot down. Like it is time. Um, and then also in the times when you may not be able to avoid seeing them, um, you need to tell your husband, like, here's the deal. Um, I am not going to put up with being mocked for my physical disability. Um, I am not going to play with the kids if they're not able to like, you know, not harm me such that I can't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to put up with somebody making fun of the fact that I enjoy knitting or reading or tea blending or whatever. Um, those are my three conditions. <laughs> and you can either help me with that or I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Um, yeah. and, and do that and give yourself so much permission and freedom to do that and to make them feel uncomfortable. Like if if they say, if they mock you about something to just say, like, why would you say that to me? Yeah. Um, and like, just leave. Like, you do not have to put up that for a second. And if a kid is punching you to say, like, you need to stop and I'm going to leave. Um, I understand, like, you can't hit back a nine-year-old. I think that's <laughs> fair. But you can absolutely say, like, you need to stop and I'm going to go. Like, don't play with their damn kids. Their kids are not, like being taught how to appropriately interact with other people. And they are just kids. They don't have the same level of culpability as their parents. But you do not have to, um, you don't have to play with them if they can't stop themselves from hurting you. Yeah. And nine years old is old enough for you to tell that child that they are not allowed to be doing that thing and that they should understand why. And there's really- And I'm just getting madder and madder- there's really no excuse for any of this behavior <laughs> from anyone and everyone except for the letter writer is mm, yeah someone and, I, would fight. And I gotta say too like your husband the more i look at this letter the matter i'm getting at your husband like again yeah. unless they only do this stuff when he is out of the room which i really doubt like i see somebody talking to treating like a friend of mine this way i'm gonna get pretty upset I see yeah. someone treating like a partner, someone I'm married to, like the woman I'm sharing my life with this way. I'm going to I'm going to get pretty upset. I'm going to have some strong language and I'm not going to invite them to come on over to a barbecue in the backyard and bring the kids like Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's time to have a really serious conversation with your husband and say like I'm miserable around your in-laws. They make fun of me. Um they mock my interests. They tease me about being unable to like go hiking and mountain biking and their kids hurt me and you need to help me with this. And if you don't, I'm not going to spend time with your in-laws. Yeah. God, I hope he is just like a perfect partner in every other respect, because (laughs) if he's not there to defend you when you're being hurt, like what the fuck is he married to you for? Sorry, I feel like I'm cursing a lot today. (laughs) I don't mean to turn this into the cursing hour. uh, I'm mad. I'm heated. But yeah, no, I, I agree. And also I'm trying not to curse or threaten to fight anyone. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. We can't fight everybody. At the very least, take yourself out to a movie, go out with some friends, leave the house. um, Just don't be available. And if they think it's weird or if they like don't like it, they can suck an egg. Yep. Now I'm going back to my like flexy grandma (laughs) expressions because I don't want to curse. So they can just suck on an egg. And um, that is, wow. Yeah. You're tell and you know what? Tell your husband to write to me and explain himself. Mm-hmm. I want to know what he's been doing while all this has been going down. I, I would like a letter from him explaining himself and apologizing to me personally for putting me in this position. Yeah, and and you too, Alyssa. This yeah, please for please copy me on that that letter. <laughs> Done. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Oh, this one, this one I actually have no desire to fight anybody on. I just find it really, oh, buddy. Um, <laughs> that was also, yeah. <laughs> yep, that was my reaction as well. Two minds with but a single thought. Uh, that's us. So the subject of this one is just take a chance. Dear Prudence, Alex and I were close friends in college, where she was basically one of the guys. She lived in sweatshirts and pajama bottoms and hated that girly stuff, so she didn't wear makeup or go in for dressing up. I was an idiot and never knew she had a crush on me until one night we got drunk and she confessed her feelings and tried to kiss me. I pushed her off and told her I didn't feel the same way. She kept asking why. And finally, I told her that she was fun, funny, but not fuckable. I called her the next day to apologize, and she seemed to accept it, but we drifted apart. Now, I have moved back to her town with a different career and an ex-wife. I have reconnected with a lot of my old friends, including Alex. She looks amazing. She's the total package, but still the same old Alex. We do hang out and see each other, but it is strictly platonic right now. Neither of us are dating, and I want to ask Alex out, but I also don't want to screw up our friendship. At the same time, I don't think it's fair that one drunken mistake I made at 20 should ruin the rest of my life. Most of all, I don't want to hurt Alex. Dating her would be awesome, but not if it brings up bad memories. Other than that phone call, we've never talked about that night. Should I ask her out or continue to ignore it? So two things, one of which is it took me a few minutes to realize that I think the letter writer was just saying I moved back to this town after having like gone through a career change and having gotten married and divorced. It kind of made it sound like he had moved to town like with his ex-wife yeah. in like, the back of a van like, well, I had to bring her with me. You know, <laughs> once you divorce someone, you have to take them to the next town you move to. Um, so I just thought that was a great little detail. Um, the other one is, I don't think it's fair that one drunken mistake I made at 20 should ruin the rest of my life. As if, like, not getting to date Alex would ruin your life. Like, Yeah, no. Probably not, guy. Like, you'll probably be able to, like, I don't know. Food no. won't always turn to ashes in your mouth. The sun won't be as darkness in the sky. Like, you're, you're, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Also, it doesn't really sound like he's addressed any of the things that made him kind of a dick at 20 oh no i think 100 percent. he thinks the problem has been solved yeah alex is now fuckable so problem sorted my only issue is does she remember what i said mm-hmm. she looks amazing as opposed to before when she would not wear makeup or dress up but now she took care of those small issues and obviously this guy thinks he is a catch since she he thinks that this is like up to him mostly it seems and uh yeah alex if you're out there do not date this guy in my opinion but uh i think you should not ask her out and i think you should ignore it and just leave alex alone so (laughs) yeah i I think that that's certainly not gonna harm anyone if that is the route that he takes um let's 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 play a game where we imagine what are the possible outcomes, right? Okay. So let's play. Uh, at least letter writer, you like called her the next day to apologize. Um, that's good, right? Like you realized within twenty four hours that was a pretty 
lousy way to tell somebody I don't return their feelings. Because, like, yep. you're not a bad person if you like girly girls. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not wrong. It was not wrong of you to find her less attractive when she was more of a tomboy and to be attracted to her when she is more overtly feminine in appearance. That in itself, mm-hmm. that's not an issue. Um yep. There are always better ways to tell someone you don't return their feelings or you're not attracted to them. Um, sorry, I was so animated on that. I just flung my pen across my laptop. Um, then saying, you're this, you're this, but you're not fuckable. Like, you you, you could go your whole life without saying that to somebody. You yep. never have to say to someone you're not fuckable. Aval, because pretty much everybody is fuckable to somebody. Yep. Like. You didn't just say I'm not attracted to you or I don't feel the same way. You said, Alex, you're not fuckable. Like, no one would want, you know, a kind of tomboyish college girl who wears a lot of sweatshirts, which, like, I gotta tell you, man. That's just not true. (laughs) A lot of people are very into that aesthetic. Um, Can confirm. My college girlfriend was a lot like that. And, uh, you know, I I don't want to get excessively personal, but rest assured, I (laughs) <laughs> never felt the need to tell her she was not fuckable um it's good yeah so just like to just remind you of like why that was such a lousy thing to do mm-hmm. um so uh she probably remembers it i don't think she's forgotten that said she she seems like she enjoys your company now it seems like she is at least somewhat inclined to put that in the past as like a youthful mistake it doesn't seem like she's still really angry with you about it although you know, we don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, both, are you interested in running the risk of reopening that wound by asking her out? And B of all, like, what's changed for mm-hmm. you? Like, if Alex ever does go a couple of days without eyeliner and, like, wears some slouchy sweats because she feels comfortable you know, what's going to happen to your boner, man? Like, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm really worried about your newfound boner for Alex. Like, mm-hmm. the condition of your boner distresses me, guy. <laughs> um, what's going to happen? Like, if she ever changes, like, can you deal? If she kind of goes back to that tomboyish, casual wear, loungewear gal, um, yeah. will your interest in her wane? And if so, again, you know, maybe do a little work on yourself and also don't ask her out. Um, <laughs> yep. If if you're like, nope, I, I both I am more attracted to the way that she is now and I've done some work on myself and I understand that sometimes um, men and women enjoy wearing sweatpants and it doesn't mean that they're unfuckable, um, then can you risk it? Uh, sure, sure. Um, there's a decent chance she will say, yes, I'd like to go out with you. There mm-hmm. is a decent chance she will say, nope, uh, I enjoy our newfound friendship, but the memory of that night has always stayed with me and I could never be with somebody who ever called me unfuckable. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys kind of have an awkward face for a while and then go back to being friends. It's also possible that that brings up the memories for her in a way where she's like, you know what, I've been, I haven't talked about this, but since you brought it up, I'm really angry and I think you're a jerk and now I don't want to be friends at all. So you know, those are at least three possible outcomes that are very, very different. And mm-hmm. if you're not willing to run the risk of one of them, I think you should err on the side of not asking her out. Um, yeah. I mean, you, when if, in doubt, I think not bothering women is the advice I give mostly because Especially women... someone you called unfuckable at like, frankly, yeah. 20. Like you were not a child. No. You could have joined the army or voted. Um, yep. At that same time, which is distressing. 
Um, it is. It is. You know, again, like that's not to say that you are unforgivable or a you know ruined person, um, but it, that's hard to bounce back from in a romantic context with a person. Yeah. Um, your penance you know? may just be that you never get to date Alex. That may just be your penance, and you'll just have to. Yeah, and I don't think that would ruin your life. Nope. You know, I don't. Think You've so already either. gotten married. You have a career. You, you, you're not, I don't know, like living on a rock, having your liver eaten by an eagle. Yeah. Um, you're, you're doing all right. Yeah. My, my advice, friend, uh, is to continue to ignore it. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe embark on a very low-key system of self-improvement. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, man, just, oh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine confessing to one of your friends that you have feelings for them mm. and not not just getting shot down, which like of course you run that risk, but hearing yeah. them say, Well, you are fun and you are funny, and thinking like, Oh, here we go, here we go, we're about to fall in love. And then they close with, but objectively no one would want to have sex with you. And it's just like, that would Honestly. stay with me for years and years and years. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Good luck with your deal, guy. Good mm-hmm. luck. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, subject of this one is offhanded comments. Dear Prudence, I tend to make some offhanded comments, I mean, in a sarcastic or joking manner. Sometimes they are hilarious and people fall on the floor laughing. Other times people say, that's not cool. And I realize I said something I would never even do and was just trying to emphasize something else. I also get words mixed up sometimes. I don't know how to bounce back from these comments because saying it was a joke seems stupid when I really didn't mean it like that in the first place. I don't want people to think poorly of me just because I'm a spontaneous talker. Aval, it me. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I identify. Good for you for realizing that it's a problem. Like, that's yeah. really hard to do. So I, yeah. I feel you. So, so you, Alyssa, you too have sometimes said things that you later wished you had not said. Yeah, all the time. I feel like uh, a lot of people do. Um, and I don't think that when someone says that's not cool, I don't think your response should be, it was a joke. Um, right. Should that's be, a good I'm sorry to say yeah. that it seems like a bad excuse because they were not saying that wasn't a joke. They were mm-hmm. saying it wasn't cool. Yep. And I think you apologizing know, we, is probably your best move there. Just saying, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll try to do better next time. And then the key is to then try to do better next time um, because you can only make so many offhanded comments before someone is like maybe this guy's just kind of a jerk and i mean guy as like a gender neutral guy because like i said this is also me um oh yeah so (laughs) this could be anyone um but i think apologizing is probably a good move and then i don't know trying not to just say everything that's in your head which is extremely hard i know because my mother tells me on a regular basis that I need more of a filter. Right. But progress, steps. Yeah. Based on a couple of different things, I, I, I intuit that this letter writer may be a young person, p- probably 
high school aged, um, mm-hmm. possibly college aged, in part because I think if they were older, um, they, this would include something about like, I've lost out on professional opportunities as a result yeah. of gotten reprimanded at work. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so it's good that you're kind of acknowledging this now. I also very much ha- have gone through this in my own life, especially in high school and college and have many times in my own life said things that were thoughtless, cruel, offensive, dismissive, reductive, shitty Yep. Um, because I was so invested in getting attention and getting a laugh that I didn't care what I said as long as I got the outcome that I wanted. Um, and I had to experience sufficient pain um, and embarrassment and social repercussions in order to start thinking about what well, would be a different strategy that might work better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because I know, I think, so intimately what you are describing, I want to address one possible response that you don't quite come out and say, but I think might be a possibility is that sort of sense of, look, I'm just a spontaneous talker. That's Mm -hmm. part of my identity. So if you tell me as a rule that I should think before I speak, you are not actually just asking me to be more thoughtful or more sensitive or more careful. You're asking me to compromise at my core who I am Mm -hmm. and that I cannot and will not do. And you sort of get to feel like you're taking a stand against an overly sensitive universe. And Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but I know that is an impulse that I have had at times when someone has said, like, as a rule, you do this more than you should and you need to knock it off. And my response was sort of, you are telling me to change myself and I cannot do that. The universe wants me to become less. And that's not (laughs) what people are telling you to do. Mm -hmm. They are not, you know, you're not going to lose the ability to make jokes. You're not going to lose the ability to speak off the cuff. Um, That's not something that someone's trying to take away from you. So if you do, as a rule, try harder when you are joking around with your friends to think carefully for even just 1.5 seconds before you say something, I promise you will not be compromising your eternal soul. You will still be the person that you are. You will still be able to be funny and make jokes. Yeah. Plus, then you'll be the person who only makes the jokes where people fall on the floor laughing instead of the one who also makes people uncomfortable. And people like it better when you are not saying things that make them uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And pay attention. You know, you say that there are moments when you realize you say something that you would never do. So you realize that in part, these comments are some sort of fictive persona that doesn't actually represent what you value, um, but that, you know, has the effect of communicating to other people's that 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 is what you want or would do. So to ask yourself in general, like, how do I want to be known and understood um, in the Mm -hmm. context of the kind of jokes that I make? Because all of us would like to be defined only by our best and noblest moments and Mm -hmm. have everything we say as a joke be written off as it was just a joke. Um, And something can absolutely be a joke, but things are rarely just a joke, which, again, Mm -hmm. is not to say that anything lighthearted must always be, like, investigated and scrutinized. But um, something can both be a joke and cruel. It can be both something that you don't truly believe that you mean and something that hurts something else. So the fact that you said it lightly or didn't really think through whether or not you meant it does not mean that you get to tell other people that um, they shouldn't judge you by it. Because Mm -hmm. if they do, they're just going based off what you're showing them. Yep. Oh, I'm having such like horror flashbacks to like high school and like showing up and having a friend be like, hey, we actually need to talk about what you said yesterday. And just that moment of, oh, no, I did it again, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, high school, I feel like that's still, I mean, even when I was on Twitter, so only in the last 
since college, I guess I've said things where someone's like, mm, are you sure? And I've said, no, you're right. I'm you're correct. Yep. I'm not sure yep. that was wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, feedback from people who I trust and are, you know, who care enough to say like, Hey, I think you're better than that thing that you said, um, have made me better than that thing that I've said in the past. Yeah. So I would say two things for you, letter writer, in terms of what you can do moving forward. Um, you know, you say you don't know how to bounce back from those comments. Um, don't bounce back. I mean, obviously you want to recover. You don't want the rest of the day or your time together with those people spent like defined by the thing you said that you wish you hadn't said. Um, but bouncing should not be the sort of motion you're going for after you say something that hurt somebody else or that mm. was unkind or cruel. Um, you should actually stop and apologize and like take a fiver, you know, like take a minute, like think about what you said and how it might have affected people like sit the next round of jokes out that's okay like bouncing is not something you need to worry about right now you just took a fall and you should be icing it you know like mm-hmm. i'm gonna stop this extended metaphor because i think it's about to get weird but um yeah don't try to bounce you don't need yeah. to bounce um you will be able to joke again yep. um and then it is a good impulse to say like that seeing it was a joke seems stupid um so i think you should just go with you're right it's not cool i'm sorry i won't do that again yep that will be really helpful, and that will at least show to people that you are working on um, not pursuing kind of your worst impulses. Yes. And then if you say that you don't want people to think poorly of me because I'm a spontaneous talker, um, divorce the idea of yourself as a spontaneous and exciting person from the fact that you often say things that other people respond to with suspicion and condemnation. Those are two unrelated things. Mm -hmm. The parts of you that are spontaneous, vivacious, overflowing, affectionate, exciting, fun, vibrant, um, and the part of you that sometimes says things that stop people in their tracks and say, wow, that's not okay. Not the same guy. And again, that's a gender neutral guy. Um, That guy lives within me as well. Um, Those are two very separate people. And if you spend a little more time with your friends, and even if you have one or two close friends that you can say, hey, I feel like I sometimes get feedback uh, about saying things that really offend or upset or hurt other people. Um, And I'm trying to work on that. You know, do you have any suggestions or do you notice that in me? Or do you find that it seems to come up around a particular topic more often than others? Um, To ask for that sort of like loving, critical help from your friends is why you have friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And just in general, like before you deliver that awesome joke, give yourself one second one second and like maybe this is going to sound really dumb but like put like a hair tie around your wrist and just like snap it really quickly because just that moment kind of interrupts the normal like flow of thought speech laughter or condemnation um just that little moment and you're not going to do the rest of your life but just that little moment of checking in with yourself and interrupting that flow um might help you from having to spend so much time at parties apologizing i don't want that for you i've done it it's no fun (laughs) apologizing i'm very good at apologizing because i've had to do it a lot um, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, con- you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I want to always be able to apologize if I need to, but I don't want to spend more time apologizing than I have to. Yes. I would like to not owe people apologies because I've hurt them that I don't want to hurt people basically, I guess. What, what do you feel like Alyssa has helped you the most in sort of, cause I don't think of you as a person who often says things that, uh, have to be sort of dissected afterwards. So I think you must have made at least uh, like a substantial amount of improvement in that area. What's been the most helpful to you? Has it just been like time? Has it just been embarrassment? Like, <laughs> um, Time has helped. 
working on empathy has helped because instead of having, you know, an outgroup person having to tell me like, hey, that hurts me, I can be like, oh, wait, this joke that I made because maybe, you know, or the joke that popped into my head because maybe it doesn't directly impact me could very easily impact many people I care about. And so just like listening a lot has helped, um, listening to other experiences and oh, just, I don't know, trying to think before I talk, I'm still bad at it, but because my thoughts have steered very, um, steered more away from immediate harmful responses, uh, yep. my spontaneous talking is mostly now just like, I'm going to fight that senator as opposed to something more harmful, <laughs> which I'm still working on that impulse. I don't need to threaten to fight everyone. It's not great, but yeah. uh, it's certainly better than where I was a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. I don't even want to yeah. think about 10 years ago. That seems... That's that's Rough. promising, though. You are much better off than you were 10 years ago, and that's, you know, yeah. hopeful. Yeah. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah. being weird with me. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, get out of here. Try not to fight anyone the rest of the day, and thank you again. <laughs> I'll do my best. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to Slate.com slash Dear Prudence to subscribe. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to Slate.com slash Plus to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. 